0: you to sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm here to read you a few bedtime stories. This week, I was so honored to be asked back to the podcast, Watch If You Dare, where Derek, Aaron, and I all discussed the popular found footage horror movie, The Taking of Deborah Logan. Now, I will warn you, I was not a fan of this movie. I tried watching it twice over the years, So just know that this episode might break your heart if this is one of your faves. If you're cool with that and you like to hear and you feel like arguing with me, feel free. Go listen and yell at me on Twitter. I am happy to debate you about this movie. Um, So check out the latest episode of Watch If You Dare wherever you get your podcasts. Also, that stream I mentioned a few weeks ago with my lovely friend The Witch of the Wood is now available on YouTube. I will leave the link in the show notes for her channel in that we discussed the horror movie, the cosmic horror movie, Event Horizon. And and remember, if you're a fan of this show, you can support me on Patreon if you'd like. Just head on over to patreon.com slash to sleep, where I will be releasing another two chapters of Frankenstein soon. Uh, we're almost done, along with a lot of other bonus episodes that are already there. And you also get each regular episode ad free. So if you'd like to, that's cool. And if you can't right now, that's also cool. Stick around and we have some true stories to tell. So this week, I thought it would be fun to come back from my little break with some true horror from my listeners. Remember, you can always submit both true and fictional stories to me whenever you'd like to be considered for the show, and I tuck them away if or until I can use them. Just send them to scareyoutosleep at gmail.com. Now, enough chit-chat. Let's get on with the true terror. This first story is by someone who chose to remain anonymous. So I lived in a house in good old Georgia. I'm not going to name the city for privacy reasons, but think Atlanta. I moved there with my family at the age of five, but that house is not where the story begins. It begins in the previous house we lived in, literally up the road from our new one. I was just starting to take baths on my own. Just for context, I came from a very rough environment prior to being adopted by my family and never learned things like this before. I remember this so vividly because it terrified me. I was washing my hair and, of course, had soap on my face which made me scared to open my eyes so I didn't get it in them. That was all fine and dandy, no problems there. Until… I heard a voice. And not just any voice, but a deep man's voice telling me not to open my eyes or something bad would happen. You sure as hell know this scared the shit out of little me, so I, of course, opened my eyes, saw no one, ran butt naked to my room that I shared with my baby brother. My mother was in there with him and saw me crying and still soaking wet and covered in soap and told me to get back in the bath and that I was fine and to stop crying. It seems insensitive, but it's the way I was raised. I was absolutely terrified, but I knew there was no use in arguing because I would lose. So I turned to go back into my parents' room. You have to go through their room to get to the bathroom where the tub was. And all I see is a man's shadow cross the room. The lights were out. Now I know, you are probably thinking, it was probably your dad, or some other male figure in my life. But I knew my dad was at work still, and my older brother was on a trip with his friends. There was absolutely no one it could be. I was scared shitless and absolutely refused to go back. Now, this caused me to get a spanking for not following directions, but in my eyes, This was way better than going in there with whatever that was. Okay, so that was just a little backstory. There were some smaller incidents here and there of seeing the man's shadow or hearing him speak to me, but I eventually got used to it, and when we moved, I thought nothing of it anymore. That is, until I overheard my mother telling my dad that she saw a man's shadow cross the foyer when she was in the living room, and it scared her because no one else was home. Us kids were at school and dad was at work. That night, I slept with them because it scared me. I was having trouble sleeping and I was sitting up with my mom and she was talking to me and playing with me. When I see a shadow go from one end of the bathroom, connected to the bedroom, same as the old house, to the other end of it. Well, I looked at my mom and she looked like she saw a ghost. Keep in mind, I was five at the time, so the fact that I recognized that look on her face was pretty bad. So from then on, she and I would continually see this man's shadow, and Mom nicknamed him Slim Shady. All was fine and dandy, he never bothered us, we would just see his shadow pass from time to time, and he never caused any harm. Well, that was until I was in the sixth grade. I was home alone in the morning, getting ready for school. Everyone else had already left for work or school, and I was there because the middle school bus picked me up around 7.30. So I had about 30 minutes to kill when I heard the loudest boom coming from my parents' room. I immediately run up the stairs and see that their bedroom door is closed. At this point, I'm thinking, intruder, because what else could it be? Well, I call my dad And he tells me to go look that it couldn't be an intruder because they couldn't have gotten in through the third story window. So I'm like, yeah, that's logical. So I make him stay on the line while I open the door. When I tell you the room was trashed, I mean, it was trashed. All of their drawers were open, the sheets pulled off the bed, and that big boom I heard... The freaking elliptical, that machine you walk on, that they kept in the corner of their room, was on its side. Needless to say, I absolutely flipped my shit. I completely thought that there was someone in the house, because how else would this have happened? I run out of the house and call the police, per my dad's demand, and they get there and search the house top to bottom. Absolutely no one in the house other than me. No unlocked windows or doors we didn't notice. No way anyone was in that house other than me. So who does that leave me to blame? Slim fucking Shady. So that was that incident. This is another incident, and the last one I'll share, unless further requested. This happened about six years ago when I was in high school. My mom and I, dad was out of town, We're up late having a movie marathon of great movies, think Pretty Woman and Steel Magnolias. We were up until around 3 in the morning when we decided to crash. I end up staying on the couch being too lazy to move to my bed. I fall asleep pretty easily and I'm just out for a couple hours. I wake up to someone whispering my name. I'm confused because I just woke up, obviously, and groggily I look around the living room. That's when I see it. The outline of a man standing in the entrance of the living room. And there's still someone whispering my name. I freak out and reach for the lamp and switch it on. And no one, absolutely no one, is standing there. No one around the corner of the wall. Just no one. I decided to nope out, and I'm not even ashamed to say I went and crawled into bed with my mom and spent the night with her because I was too damn scared to sleep on my own. Mom says she still sees Slim Shady every now and then, and he's never malevolent, but I have a feeling he didn't like me all that much and found much joy in scaring me for 13 years until I moved out. This next story comes to us from Claire P. I believe two years ago, during winter, me and my family, my mom, dad, siblings, decided to rent out an old cabin over winter break right before Christmas. This cabin was very old. Old as in, built before the Civil War. The cabin had been renovated quite a bit, but there was still no real form of air conditioning or a reliable heat source in the house, Besides, an old stove fueled by firewood, and some heaters scattered around the two floors of the cabin. Me and my siblings were absolutely devastated to be there because we had no Wi-Fi, and the internet was our entire life back then, so we decided to go on a walk in the woods next to the cabin. So we walked past the giant fireplace, old shed with tons of Donald Trump posters on it, and then into the woods. Immediately, when we got into the woods, we got the shivers. We didn't know if it was just because it was cold or we were freaked out, so we just shrugged it off and kept walking in the woods. There were paths in the woods. We just had to walk back a little while so we weren't lost at all. We just got scared. So as we got to a bigger path, we walked onto it a little bit and we found this clearing type thing closer to the weird shed. In this clearing, there were three pine trees with mugs, old Barbie dolls, and Christmas ornaments. We loved these trees when we saw them. We found them hilarious, I guess. We just had thought they were some kind of joke, but they were pretty cool. So after we walked out of the woods, we went back into the cabin and told our younger siblings about it, and they loved it too, but we got tired of it and decided to explore elsewhere. Eventually, we walked out into the big hill that the house was on, and walked over to a newer part of it. In the middle of this hill was a very, very old scarecrow. It was terrifying, literally terrifying. The scarecrow was not a normal scarecrow. It looked like it was made out of a sack of potatoes, and there was some old black hat on it. The scarecrow looked like Hitler on steroids or something. It was one of the weirdest things about this cabin, but that's not the main point. So, it was getting dark. We headed back inside, ate dinner, and my parents and one of my younger siblings decided to stay up a little later and play some board games. The board games did not work out at all. Around five pieces were missing, and the only instructions it had were in Spanish, so we had no idea what to do. I decided to go to bed early, wanting to get out of the cabin as soon as possible and finally drive home. So I go upstairs, surround myself in the dusty blankets they provided, and eventually dozed off to sleep. I wake up around five or six in the morning and look around the room I was in. Me and my siblings were sharing a room, and my parents had their own room. When I woke up, My younger siblings were gone, and my sister was sound asleep, so I decided to try and go back to sleep. A few seconds later, I feel someone, or something, climb into my bed. I immediately look up, only to see no one was there, and that my siblings were still not in the room. Freaked out, I run downstairs and see the rest of my family, minus my sister who was still sleeping, sitting in the living room, playing together. I tell my parents what happened, and then my dad tells me something I did not expect. He woke up at around four in the morning and went downstairs to start a fire. He was sitting down there for an hour and he heard a noise coming from the living room. He said it sounded like a young child laughing or crying. He was freaked out considering everyone else was currently asleep, so, He just sat there, too scared to move, and only got up when the sun started to rise. After hearing my dad's story, I was starting to get even more freaked out. And then my mom said that in the guest book, they found a note from a group of people who investigate paranormal activity. They stated that while they were there, they experienced multiple paranormal encounters such as The door to the cabin opening on its own, after being latched shut. Hearing people talk during the early hours of the morning. And hearing heavy boots stomp up the stairs. The group said that this was a family who lived in the house for years, until they passed, and that they weren't angry spirits. In fact, they were very happy to have us there. I understand this is not a very scary story, but I do find it to be a creepy experience. I find it amazing that we have somehow been able to form some kind of contact with the paranormal. These next two stories come to us from Cameo Hoffman. Disclaimer Mentions of suicide. My first story happened when I was probably around 12 years old. I grew up in a house that my parents built and sadly, both of my grandmothers ended up in hospice in that house and passed away there. There were always some small things happening here and there, but nothing crazy until one day I was homesick from school with a really bad flu. I was laid up watching TV in my brother's room, which happened to be the room my grandmothers died in. At one point, I started to feel sick and scrambled out of bed, running for the bathroom. Being in a rush, I knew that i left the bed a mess and the TV on, but when I got back into the room, the TV was turned off and the blankets had been nicely folded back by one corner with the remote on top. I looked at it and got a chill, but just crawled back into bed thinking it was one of my grandmothers telling me I needed to get some rest. My second story is very quick and more recent. A couple years back, my husband and I were out visiting our friends and their daughter, who we will just call E. At the time, E was only about two and a half, and we had been playing board games. And when it started to get late, my husband and I got up to leave and give everyone a hug goodbye. When E turns around and looks at the far end of the room and just looks up and says, Hi! while waving. Now, mind you, we were the only ones there, and my friend is very religious slash superstitious, while I follow a more spiritual path and obviously love all things spooky and scary. So I turn to my friend and tell her that her daughter is seeing demons just to joke with her and get a well-deserved punch in the arm. At which point, my husband and I head home and climb into bed laughing about the situation and go to sleep. I was sadly awakened by a call from my mother, saying that my uncle had taken his own life the night before. And my first thought was, that's who E saw the night before. He was coming to say goodbye. He still watches over me all the time though, and I see him in my dreams a lot. I even think he saved me from getting into a car wreck once. But that is a story for another time. Our next submission is from Jeremy Stevens. I turned 40 today, like literally today. As I write these words and dive backwards into my fugue state of memories, my next decade of trips around the sun has just begun. And one thing I can say is this, I have forgotten vast swaths of past memories. There are certain stretches of time, days, weeks even, where outside of a vague recollection of living space, I have only black. I know these percentages of time vary from person to person. However, I do believe they correlate almost exclusively with regards to trauma. One such event that I feel has been seared into my vision, like the remnants of the sun's brightness that remain when you close your eyes, is a sequence of moments culminating in what I can only describe as an encounter with a ghost. This was back in 2004, August and damn hot, I was a bartender in Savannah, Georgia. Now mind you, I had ventured across the country to the southeast to pursue a lifelong obsession with art, and specifically art as a career. However, two years into my undergraduate program, it became increasingly more apparent that What had started as a part-time gig to fund art supplies ended up nearly doubling the average yearly salary of someone in my major. So I was a bartender in Savannah, Georgia. I had stumbled onto quite possibly the greatest deal of my life in finding a two-story townhome built in 1930, right in historic downtown Savannah, and I could afford it on my own. I moved in on a Monday in May. I remember because the flowers were popping all around the city like tiny, quiet fireworks. That following weekend, I had just finished a nearly 12-hour run at the bar. I stumble home and barely get my shoes off my feet, when I notice one of the kitchen cabinets I rarely used was wide open. I remember thinking it was odd because there wasn't really even anything in there. I dismissed the rabbit hole promptly, just to focus on finding my way under a blanket post-haste. The following morning, I awoke puffy-faced to the faint thuds of someone without permission trying to earn their way into my home. I say faint because my bed rested neatly across from the entry parlor and upstairs. Even still, the sound of the knocking was only heard at all thanks to the thickness and stubbornness of the wood used to build all 23 of the home's internal and external doors. Upon gathering my sanity and rushing to open the front door, I feel as if I momentarily spot something of substance as I jog past the half-bathroom oval mirror. The door, however, now has my full attention simply because at this distance, the thuds have become gunshots of fist on wood. I open the door to find the otherwise breathtaking profile of my new girlfriend, scrunched into what looks to be an irredeemable scowl. Thanks for breakfast. It was 11am. Shit. I briefly attempt to scramble a possibly life-altering rebuttal into non-oblivion, but almost instantaneously collapsed into an attempt to explain why we had arrived at that specific moment in time. I honestly worked 12 hours, came home and crashed. This is the first daylight I am seeing since two days ago, I am sorry for being shitty. And that is when my vision distorted and reconvened itself to the moment with the cabinet. But. As is common to this life, little works out perfectly. Olivia, new girlfriend's name, greets my hastily cobbled apology with a quick onset and distribution of angry emotions that, at their apex, led to her storming into the kitchen and opening, then slamming a lower level cabinet. The next few moments reduced to a snail's pace in my mind. Although I am beyond confident, they had to have been no more than 10 seconds. Olivia, her last name is Newton, more on that in a tick, is looking directly into my soul as I make my way with unintended caution into the point of impact. You see, my full perspective had been replaced with a smoky-edged hallucination-inducing of seeing every single cabinet in the kitchen was open wide open in such a way that it seemed outlandish that someone of Olivia's stature could accomplish given the tightness of the timeline around the events. My 1930, two-story townhome immediately felt way more crowded. More tomorrow, Deadlies. This is the end of Side A. Please flip over the cassette tape to continue and Jeremy said he would have that second half for me in time for the next true horror episode, so keep a lookout for that. Next is a little change of pace from paranormal to human-based horror. This comes to us from Carrie. The following is a true story of something that happened to me in December of 2021. On the day this incident occurred, I had worked my usual 9.30 to 5.30 day job. Being December in the Southeast US, it had already long since been dark outside by the time I made it home, nearing almost 6pm by that point. There is an Asian grocery store in the city that I live in that I shop at regularly. On this particular day, I really needed to go. I've gone by myself on occasion, typically when my boyfriend, let's call him A, doesn't feel like making the drive through traffic and following me around the store. I was tempted to go by myself this night, but seeing as I am a 28-year-old female in a crowded city, going anywhere by myself, let alone in the dark, is mildly frightening to me. I know we've all heard the horror stories, especially as listeners of a spooky podcast, so it's fair to assume that I definitely preferred the company. However, I wasn't going to push the issue if he didn't want to come as I didn't feel like altering the pleasant mood of the evening. Thankfully, he did actually feel like enduring the trip this time, as he also needed to go to the sporting goods store for something. I will admit I felt relieved that I wouldn't have to go alone, not just for the sake of secretly desiring a pseudo bodyguard should anything go awry, but because I do truly enjoy his company doing anything. By the time we make it to the store, it is past 6.30 and unfortunately due to COVID, this store, like many others, changed its hours and now closes at 7. Hating to be that guy but having no other choice given my work hours, we go in with the intention of being quick. Also, because of the new hours, we decided to hit the grocery store first, even though it was farther out of the way and less convenient driving and perishables-wise. When we get there, A has to use the restroom, so I decided to begin shopping so he wouldn't have to wait as long for me. I head straight to the produce section, bending down to analyze the new assortment of tasty mushrooms on display that I could add to my kimchi jjigae. The store isn't overly crowded at this time of night, mid-week. There are a few random shoppers in for what I assume are also their last-minute desirables before closing time, with no one in particular standing out to me. But, ashamed as I am to admit, I do tend to be a bit less willing to look random strangers in the face on days when I'm not wearing makeup and not feeling as presentable and confident as I prefer to be. This was one of those days. A cart of goodies and about 20 minutes later, we head for the checkout line and leave. We drive the roughly 20 minutes across town to the sporting goods store. This store was even more empty than the grocery store had been, and I had only noticed one other pair of people inside, besides the employee sweeping the floor. A needed one thing, and we were in the store for literal minutes as we headed straight for the spot it would be located, and upon realizing it was out of stock, paced that area to ensure we hadn't missed it, and then made our way back for the exit. This store, however, is set up with specific enter and exit doors, that are spaced somewhat far from each other and slide open only if triggered from the proper direction. As we are making our way to the proper exit door, I notice from my peripheral vision the two other individuals walking very quickly from the direction we came and heading for the other, incorrect set of doors. They approached them with such a brisk pace expecting them to open that they had to do the awkward immediate stop before walking right into the closed doors. Being afraid to make eye contact with anyone today or feeling for what I can only imagine is an embarrassing situation they've suddenly found themselves in, I avoid looking directly at them and attempt to give them the benefit of thinking a random stranger didn't just witness the mistake, thus saving them any potential further embarrassment. They pick up the pace and jog to the proper exit as we head out to the parking lot. As we're leaving the store and heading for our car, I can hear them speaking in Russian from some feet behind us. As I mentioned, I had not looked at them yet, even in this moment. They were walking behind us, and turning around to look at them would have been blatantly obvious. A, however, did, and as we were leaving, I was becoming fascinated by listening to them speak. I notice his pace pick up slightly as we were getting closer to the car, and I match it, assuming he's just ready to be back home. We get into the car, and as soon as our doors close, A turns to me and in a serious tone asks me, Did you notice that? To which I reply, puzzled by his now serious tone after a so far seemingly relaxed evening of shopping, That they were speaking a foreign language? He says, "No, Not that they were speaking Russian, but that those were the guys from the Asian grocery store. Noticing that A, a man who tends to be very lighthearted and finds a way to make a joke out of anything, is now serious and worried about something that could just be a coincidence, I ask him to elaborate. He explains that he noticed them in the grocery store shortly after we arrived and that they did not buy anything and left immediately after we checked out. Thinking back on this newly realized situation, he recalled noticing them looking at us in the sporting goods store from a short distance and not actually shopping for anything unlike how we were looking for a specific item. He also noted that he believed they had followed us across town from the other store after having entered and then left just after us. Normally, this wouldn't be considered too odd, but seeing as how our stops tonight were rather unusual given the order and locations across town so close to the closing times of both stores, The odds that another set of people would need to do the exact same thing at the exact same time, and not buy anything at either one, while not impossible, now had us a little spooked. He also noted that he felt them rushing to leave through the closed doors, even though they were clearly marked with a not an exit sign at eye level. Felt like they were trying to beat us outside. I chuckled and mentioned how I tried not to look at them when it happened because I figured it was an embarrassing mistake. However, A said that he had been looking directly at them as it happened, and they had been looking at us. This entire exchange took only about 2 minutes, and as we finally begin to exit the parking lot, we notice the car turn quickly to follow us out, as if they had waited for us to start driving again. A makes a left out followed by an immediate left through a traffic light that is turning from yellow to red. The car, instead of stopping as they approach the light seconds too late to legally make the jump through it, ran the red light to follow us. Now even more worried, A decides to run the traffic light two lights down in order to potentially lose them later down the road. Asking him why, he explains how very obviously they were in fact following us based on their rush turns and light running behind us, with many other potential directions to have driven instead. He drives a short distance and turns into a parking lot of a big-name hardware store in an attempt to safely lose them and not allow them to follow us to our nearby apartment. We sit in the lot for roughly five minutes to allow plenty of time for them to have surely lost us and head home. The roughly five minutes home are silent. We didn't even listen to music which is unusual if A is driving. By the time we're nearing our home, the spooky and awkward situation has left my mind. We park and I get out to unload the groceries and A is still very worried. Noticing, I ask him what's up and he rushes for me to hurry to get inside and he will explain the extent of what he's been thinking about once we're safe inside. Obviously, this fills me with fear that they had followed us home and I feel the flush of fear run through me as I quickly walk the few yards into the apartment. As soon as I get inside, my cat, a.k.a. my son, we'll call him Little A, greets us with his usual run to the door and meows as he throws himself at our feet. I put the groceries down and push for A to finally explain what had him so worried. We sit on the couch, Little A joining us for our tardy evening cuddles. Our Christmas tree illuminates the room in an array of rainbow lights that fade to white and back again as he begins to explain the evening's events from his perspective when we entered the grocery store that evening we turned right and made our way for the produce section i stopped to begin shopping as he went further down to the restrooms on the other end of the long produce aisle upon leaving the restroom a minute later he could see me leaning forward looking at the mushrooms and one of the russian men standing behind me a couple feet and looking me up and down. The man had not realized A and I were together at this point, and A, taking it as a compliment that someone was checking out his, from his perspective, attractive girlfriend, smirked and turned the other way to grab an ice cream bar from a cooler and then walked back to me. As he turned around with his ice cream, a mere moment later, he noticed me still leaning forward analyzing the packages of veggies. However, he saw the second Russian man walk up to flank me from behind and slightly to the side with his partner who was still standing behind me. He noticed them looking me up and down and looking to each other, nodding and silently speaking to each other in a way I wouldn't notice. As a once seemingly humorous situation was now turning weird, he continued to walk back to me, Once the men noticed him approaching me, they quickly walked to the aisle over and away from us. However, after the way the night transpired, he recalled them hanging out the ends of the aisles we were shopping, or ever one aisle over from us, and never picking up items as if they were truly shopping for something. They would look at me periodically and face the shelves and speak to each other in Russian, hence why it stood out to him when he heard them speaking at the sporting goods store. After we waited in line and checked out, he noticed them leave without buying anything right after we exited the store. Without the knowledge of how the rest of the trip would transpire, it was easy to write this off as just two friends just hanging out in a grocery store, which by itself is not an unusual sight. As he explained all this to me, I could feel the fear of what could have happened that night had I actually gone to the store alone, welling behind my eyes and tightening like a knot in my chest. I feel it even now as I write it down. I couldn't believe I hadn't noticed two random men eyeing me up at such a close distance. It is very unusual for me to have my guard so low out in public. I guess I just had a false sense of security in not being by myself there. I could see how it really only takes a second for a normal day to go wrong, and I was so thankful to be safe at home with A and my son. A and I truly believe they followed us across town to the sporting goods store and continued to stalk us there, only to quickly attempt to leave behind us and try to follow us in their car again. It's hard not to wonder what they were up to or what might have happened had I been alone that night, or even left alone for a second time during the course of the trip. I'm just so thankful I wasn't and that A wasn't afraid to assess our surroundings and act fast. TLDR. I went to the grocery store with my boyfriend and was almost abducted by two men. You know, one thing I've always struggled with is finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. Plus, I am not the best with numbers. But now i use rocket money and it does all that for me rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings with rocket money i have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses i can see all of my subscriptions in one place and if i see something i don't want rocket money can help me cancel it with a few taps I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month, so I can clearly see my spending habits. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. And I know you do not have the time or mental bandwidth to deal with customer service, but don't worry, they'll deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com dot com slash scare you to sleep that's rocketmoney.com dot com slash scare you to sleep rocket money dot com slash scare you to sleep this submission comes to us from danielle i have a true horror story that actually happened when i was just a baby This, of course, is not from my memory, but my mother's memory. When I was about one, my parents lived in an apartment on the north side of Chicago. It was my mom, Maria, and my dad, Odell, me and my two older sisters, Jasmine, age six, and Amanda, age five. My mother never liked this apartment for some odd reason. She said it always gave her this creepy and paranoid feeling. My dad at that time worked nights, so my mom was left alone at night with my sisters and I. At night, if she had to wake up to make me a bottle, she had the same exact routine. This was because the hallway she had to use to enter the kitchen from her bedroom was what she feared the most. Every time she had to use the hallway at night to go make my bottle, she would walk backwards to get to the kitchen, making sure to keep watch that no one was behind her. She said this was because she always had the feeling of being watched in that hallway. Once she entered the kitchen, she never looked back into the direction of the hallway. She kept focus on getting in and getting out of the kitchen and back into the bedroom as fast as she could. She said she just always knew that if she would look back in that hallway, she would see someone or something staring back at her. She always had the feeling of eyes on her back. Once she was done in the kitchen, she would take a deep breath, keep her head down, eyes to the ground, and run as fast as she could through the hallway and back into the bedroom. She did this for months without telling my dad how scared she was at night. She didn't want to worry him. She thought maybe it was just all in her head. There was a point, though, where she just couldn't keep quiet any longer. She desperately started asking my dad if they could please move out of the apartment There was no way she could stay there any longer. She feared for her safety and the safety of my sisters and I. She began telling him the feelings that she would have at night and how afraid she was. At the time, my oldest sister Jasmine was around 6 years old. It was on one of these days of my parents discussing my mom's fears of the apartment that my sister overheard the conversation. My mom says to this day, what my sister said to them will always give her chills that run down her spine. My sister nonchalantly asks, Mommy, have you seen the shadow man too? My mom dreadfully asked her, Where do you see this shadow man, baby? She pointed into the hallway. There, Mommy, there is where I see the tall shadow man. Not too long after, My parents found a new apartment on the south side of the city, far away from that apartment. My mom says to this day, she doesn't like to remember that place. She always knew something was wrong with it. I asked her if she thought it was haunted. She thinks it was. Haunted by what though? She has no idea, but she thinks the shadow man was always there, waiting for her to look back into the hallway so he could introduce himself. And our last story of the evening comes to us from Dusty Buckets. Back when I was a student in college, I worked for my university's outdoor adventure program. It was one of the most coveted jobs on campus because We were paid to lead fun and exciting trips throughout the eastern U.S., like hiking, rock climbing, paddleboarding, and caving. Everyone in the program was part of a tight-knit family, and we often got together to review past trips and plan out new excursions. About halfway through the semester, our program director emailed to discuss a new caving spot in Virginia he had just finished checking out with a buddy of his. He mentioned that there was some disturbing news he wanted to share. We didn't think much about it as scouting new locations was pretty routine and there was often something worthy of note, but this time it was different. A few days later, we met at a local pub on campus as was the norm of our group and had a few beers as we waited for our director to arrive. Shortly after, He showed up and ordered a drink before taking a seat between me and one other employee. From such a close angle, I could tell that something was off. He looked different from the lively, rugged mountain man I was accustomed to, and his gaze, for the most part, was vacant. It was as if he wasn't all there. After exchanging pleasantries one of the team members piped up to ask what the email was about and we all quieted down to hear what our boss had to say. He took a deep breath and in a clear, hushed voice he said, You guys probably won't believe what I'm about to tell you but you should all know why I've decided to take caving off the itinerary for this year. Everyone exchanged glances but for the most part kept quiet as we wanted to hear what was next. Chris and I contacted a farmer in Virginia about a month ago to ask about visiting a cave on his property. He started. The farmer said that it was no problem, since it was frequented by groups during the day. But we were looking to go at night, since no one would be there and we could check out the cave ourselves. After all, once you're inside the cave, you can't see anything at all day or night without a headlamp. The farmer agreed to the request, provided we sign a liability waiver and had all necessary gear and emergency contact information on hand. That takes us to this past weekend, he continued. Chris and I left around Friday evening, which placed us at the farm around 1am on Saturday. As expected, not a soul was in sight, and we were able to set up our ropes and begin repelling in under an hour. The entrance of the cave was deep, around 90 to 100 feet, and every move we made echoed throughout the opening. We finally touched down on solid ground and began to look at our surroundings. The room was vacant, with the exception of a narrow opening about 50 feet away, going further into the cave. So we continued. For 15 minutes or so, the narrow hallway remained practically the same, With a few minor twists and turns, Chris and I got so caught up in exchanging stories and jokes that we forgot we were entirely alone, which is why we were so surprised when the cave opened up. Upon reaching the end of the passageway, our headlamps illuminated the main cavern the size of a soccer field. The sheer size was overwhelming, but that wasn't what caught our attention. In the middle of the room were several candles in the shape of a pentagram, surrounded by a dozen or so people wearing white robes. And not one of them moved an inch or spoke a word. The only movement was from the shadows flickering in the candlelight. Chris and I deliberated on what to do, whether to say something or turn around and we decided it would be best to leave as quickly as possible. After all, there was no way they didn't hear us, and still there was zero response. We stumbled back to the entrance, tripping over the obstacles we took so much time to avoid, and began climbing up to the entrance of the cave. We packed up our ropes and started loading them up in the van when a terrifying thought occurred to me. There were no other ropes leading down into the cave, and there definitely was no other exit. As Chris and I made our way back home, neither of us said a word, fearing that one would confirm the other's suspicions. Whatever was happening down there wasn't humanly possible, and we definitely weren't meant to witness it. In the morning, I reached out to the farmer and he reassured me that there was no other group in the cave last night, and another group wasn't scheduled for a tour until later that day. Ever since hearing that story, I haven't been able to go caving ever since. And if any of you are thinking about doing some nighttime caving, just be sure to keep an eye out for any candlelight flickering in the distance. And that does it, folks, for this week's episode. Thank you so much to all who submitted your true stories. I know it's not easy to share true stories sometimes. Speaking of which, I actually have a lot uh, in my true story folder, so this was an even half of what I have waiting there, and I'm pretty sure I have more in my main inbox that I haven't even seen yet to put into the folder so we have plenty of true stories for true story episodes to come in the future. Um, and also, feel free to send yours. Just know that I am a little behind, so uh, have, keep that in mind. But um, or, I'm not behind, it's just that I don't feel like anyone really wants a two-hour episode. Uh, I've At least that's what I've heard from all of my um, meetings I've attended in the podcast community. So, um, but let me know, I could do an extra long one, one time if any, if, if anybody's interested. Um, yeah. So thank you for being so patient with me during my week off. It was much needed. Um, uh, yeah. Thank you so much. I seriously, I really appreciate having an audience who really understands. I had a few people reach out and tell me that I deserved a a break, which was very, very nice of you. Um, I appreciate that um patreon people uh your rewards should have all gone out in case you didn't see it um if you don't receive your rewards by domestic uh in the u.s by june 1st or international anyone outside the u.s by june 7th please let me know and i will make sure that uh you get your rewards um but and that is of course for five and ten dollar patrons so thank you for that. And also thank you for being patrons. Um, let's see, follow the show on Twitter, Tumblr. Nope. Yeah. I guess there is a Tumblr page. I don't do anything with it though. It exists. It's there, (laughs) but I don't, I don't know how to Tumblr. Um, that was part of my childhood that I know a lot of people did, but I missed it. I just never got into Tumblr, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on who you ask. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Um, there's a Facebook group you can join and yeah, I have, again, I keep telling you I have exciting news coming up, but unfortunately some red tape got in the way a little bit. So, um, it's still happening. It's just that I don't feel comfortable announcing things until it's like the, the ink on the document is dry, (laughs) you know? So, uh, exciting things coming up. Nothing will change for any of you. It's not going to be like the last big announcement I had. Well, I guess the last one was that I was going multi-platform. So that was a good one. But um, so no worries there. Nothing will change for any of you. Um, Your listening experience will still be the same. Um, So, but it's, I think you're all going to be real, really stoked about this. Um, I am, I'm very excited. I'm talking about things that you don't know about. So this is great, great entertainment right here. Um, let's see. So this week I made cinnamon rolls. Um, not a chocolate cinnamon roll, like is my specialty, but I made regular cinnamon rolls. Um, the recipe I use is fucking fantastic and it's available in the scary to eat group on Facebook. Um, but if you don't Facebook anymore, which is (laughs) very, very understandable, um, feel free to email me. And if I, if I see it, um, I'm usually pretty good about seeing recipe emails. If you put like cinnamon roll recipe in the in the inbox I know it's I know it's an easy email to just kind of get back to so for the most part I'm pretty quick to be like here's the recipe um I use this uh I can't remember the web I wish I could I did I can't remember it off the top of my head but it's the best cinnamon roll recipe I've ever made or ever had ever um so yeah let's see what else can we talk about in this ramble at the end I don't know um it's been um it's been quite a week. I'm not going to get into it because this is a place where you come to escape and go to places that aren't real. So, well, this week was a true story episode, but you know, you know what I mean. Escaping your own lives. Um, unless you're one of them who submitted this week in which I'm just talking myself into a hole right now. So I'm going to move on. Um, but yeah, this is a quite a week. So I'm don't have my brain is a little mushy right now. Um, Anyway, uh, I've been thinking about doing maybe a whole ramble on Patreon for everyone because some of you enjoy me just kind of talking and I I understand because some of my favorite people I follow on Patreon, their extras are ramble videos where they pick a topic or they actually have their patrons pick a topic and they talk about it on camera for, you know, however long they can and I find those endlessly entertaining and enter entertaining (laughs) entertaining um I put them on all the time when I'm doing stuff or even just to actually sit and watch so yeah if that's something you'd be interested in let me know um again also if you want an extra long true stories episode let me know uh yeah so thank you I just want to thank you all so much for being here I was doing my patreon rewards this week and not just my patreon patrons who I love so much but just anyone who's listening right now I every every number every time that dial hits further in my listener count for the week or month or day or anything uh, I just consider it an ultimate blessing if you will I'm not religious but it's still I consider it a blessing and that's all of you you are all blessings to me honestly um uh this life and this thing I'm able to do it just means so much to me. It, it really does. And I, I don't know if I've taken the time to be to really, truly thank you from the bottom of my heart recently. Um, because I, it means so much to me. Um, I'm so happy to have built this beautiful community of people who truly see horror for the, how beautiful it can be and for the escape it can be and get so excited about, you know, these weird, creepy, odd worlds that, are created by me and the submitters and everyone in this community. It's just amazing. Thank you so much. Um, and you have, you all have a a teeny tiny piece of my heart, not literally, not yet. Well, maybe I'll put that in my will, but not yet, but you know, spiritually (laughs) you do. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go Please remember to drink some water. Speaking of, I have heard your cries. Um I am making some drink water merch. I'm not very good at merch. I'm not very good at marketing myself in general. Um, but I have gotten enough overwhelming things about drink your water merch and it's coming. I'm designing it myself and it's coming soon. Um I'll let you know when it's out. So thank you so much. Uh and <laughs> like I said. Drink your water, go get some sleep, and sweet dreams.